Martin? No, Martin, please, my spider, Martin! Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Great of the Town podcast, brought to you by us over at AtoZHorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake. I never drink wine. God damn it, Jake. And sitting next to Jake is someone else who never drinks wine. It's Mark, you motherfucker. Why did you take that one? Yeah, that's a very quotable movie. I can't believe it happened. <laughs> anyway, hi, Mark. Hi. <laughs> Hello. It's an aggressive start, and it's also weird energy because uh, last week I was down in Salt Lake and everything was different. This week, none of us are in the same room. We're all over cyberspace. Throwback to like the old, old days. We're old, mixing old and days. matching. But this might be the best we've ever sounded from just like a, a pure audio perspective. Oh, well, Jack, you... I assure you something will happen and render that incorrect. <laughs> yeah, you fully jinxed it at this point. Fair enough. Hey, for those of you unfamiliar with our Crack Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. This week, we watched 1931's Dracula, which was a Jake pick, and we will dive all the way into that real soon, and when we do, we're going to spoil the nonsense out of it, but hey, this movie is, uh, what, 89 years old, so I don't think that's particularly relevant in this particular instance. It's also Dracula. It's also Dracula, you know it. We've also basically reviewed this movie already twice. Yeah, it's Nosferatu also. So, uh, um, hey, if you like what we do and want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash A to Z horror. That's A-T-O-Z horror. And support the show at your level of choosing. Get some cool perks for your troubles. But if you can't swing that right now, no worries. We just appreciate you being here, hanging out with us for this main podcast. But for now, it's time to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. Hey, Jake. Hey, Jack. What are your beers for these fears? Do you remember the at the start where I said I never drink? Yeah. Wine. Well, I don't I don't never drink, <laughs> but I'm doing something that I think is unprecedented during this podcast and I'm not drinking. Um look, I'm going to lay down this week, okay? I'm still sick. I've been sick for going on day 10 with flu log, flu log 2020 for Jake and I made the call that I got to take care of my health. So, I'm drinking some tea tonight, boys. It's going to be great. Look- it's a good call. I think all three of us have been sick before and have had tea with some amount of whiskey or other things in it. Correct. This, I, I, I respect and appreciate your decision, Jake. I do think it's truly unprecedented that you're doing an episode without anything alcoholic. I had, I had to make the call. I need to get healthy for a future thing that's about to happen to me, to my body. <laughs> it'll, probably, it'll probably come up in a week or two. I'm yeah. worried that about halfway through the episode, you're going to realize how profoundly uninteresting we are. <laughs> it's okay he didn't talk last week at all either so yeah, he'll just, he's in the same chair he's just gonna be leaning back the whole time chewing on his oh pencil. i'm gonna lean way back yep okay so one pass mark how about you what's what the, what are your beers for these fears uh yeah so dracula he turns into two different monsters well two different animals he polymorphs i am drinking a rogue bat squatch hazy ipa uh, i've got i've got one of those myself so Cancel out. Cool. And then I got a uh, Golden Road Brewing Wolf Among Weeds IPA. The two things he transforms into in this movie are a bat and a wolf. So I got both yeah, of them. Yeah, not a bat squatch, though. I mean, ostensibly somewhere betwixt a bat and a man is a bat squatch. Like, what if he gets stuck <laughs> mid-polymorph? That's fair. You know what? That's fair enough. I also, like it, Mark. you're arguing uh... against your own beer selection if you're arguing against that one. 
Well, yeah, I am. <laughs> so fun. I, fun. I did a That's bad good. job. That's great. It's okay. I, I I've got he also ones. found like a Draculogger or something like that. I tried to find a Draculogger, could not find it. I really though, I was considering just coming in here with a Rainier and a Coors Light and saying I'm drinking not wine, and that's all you need to drink. I'm also that's the drinking only not beverage wine. that's that's the only beverage referenced, as far as I can tell, is not wine. Uh, but I am also drinking a Ninkasi Brewing Company beer. I've had it on the podcast before. Heart and Science West Coast IPA. <laughs> the seasonal from last spring that you still can find for some reason. So it's it was the seasonal from last Valentine's Day from Ninkasi. I'm pretty sure it's been <laughs> yeah. stocked at my local Albertsons for over a year, but they've had it in stock for so long that it's coming back around irrelevant because we're coming up on Valentine's Day again. Is there a you're gonna need to check date? those? You're going to need to check those cans that, when you're going to look for that beer this year. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, but either way, I mean, Dracula, the story of Dracula has always kind of been the heart versus the science, right? Uh, Dr. Van Helsing has always been the science, and Dracula has always been the mysterious, the magical, the heart, the uh, the unknown. And those two things have always been competing, and that's, that's kind of what Dracula is about. And also maybe some anti-Semitism I was reading about recently. We'll get into that later, but that's not a part of my beer selection. Um, so, heart and science. And uh, the Bat Squatch and some Coors Light and probably some Rainier is what I'm drinking. <laughs> cool, dude. <laughs> All of it, not wine. None of you are going to say anything. Mark, you, you, you okay over there? Looks like you're having some trouble. <laughs> I accidentally hit a button and it changed my uh, headphones to be in my mic, so I missed all of your justification. But drinking beers and watching Dracula isn't the only thing we've done over the course of the last week. We might also experience some other shit in the horror world. Uh, and we're going to start by talking about having to pay up on uh, Lost Beers for Fears bets. The loser, whoever does the worst job picking the beer to go with the movie, as voted on by our patrons, has to watch a movie, also of the patron's choice. So let's cue that sound effect and get into that. Mm, beer. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. What an idiot! You suck, you jackass! Now, last week I watched Frozen, which we all had to watch, and you hadn't watched it. I have nothing else to talk about this week, so have either of you guys seen Frozen yet? Yes. Hey, I okay, Mark? Frozen. I saw it a long time ago. I haven't caught up on it this round. I was going to watch it last night, and then change of plans happened, and I had a different movie to talk about. So mm. uh, we can we can still chat about it. I remember it pretty clearly. If you want to, no, you're not getting out of this. No, you I'm still, still, still to going it. to watch it. I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow night. Yeah. So uh, I'll say just a couple quick things, and we'll have eventually talked about it for like three straight episodes. Um, <laughs> quick peek behind the curtain, though. This was one of those weeks where it was like our horror. What was rocking our horror three days? So it's. It's right, or am I yeah, losing I my so. mind? We recorded last so Saturday. Long. No, Fuck. we recorded last Saturday. Yeah, yeah. and so it's just currently a, a Wednesday. Days. All right. Uh, I didn't know Adam Green did this movie. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. This was coming off like not too long after he did Hatchet, I guess. Uh, vastly different movie than Hatchet. This one is much <laughs> more realistic. Uh, I, I gotta say, like the big takeaways were that this was surprisingly impactful. For what it is, it's a very simple horror movie. I mean, it's basically like a one room, air quotes on room, horror movie. Um, After they get on the ski lift, like that's really all that you get. And it's really effective with that as its mechanism. It's I, also surprising. I really enjoyed this. I did too. It's also surprisingly emotional for the like maybe protagonist, maybe secondary protagonist being a tremendous dick. 
Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I could see that too. <laughs> I, I I was a little concerned at the start of the movie because there's kind of some of that like not teenage but young adult like comedy dr- drama stuff going on trying to introduce <laughs> scary movie stuff yeah it, that part wasn't great but once you get them on the chairlift it gets good in a hurry and it does not let go yeah no i enjoyed it too i also it's kind of one that you like try to find ways to pick holes in like oh why wouldn't they, they do this or this or this and like they show you a couple of the more obvious ways that you would try to get out of that situation and i gotta tell you like there aren't really any great ways in which to get out the one they miss is all of when the snow plow is coming up underneath them and none of them throw any of their tremendous amount of gear at the snow plow to get its attention is infuriating like throw your winter coat and and your gloves or your snowboard or your skis all of which are still (laughs) attached to all of them at that point i I would throw the chair that i was sitting on at them yeah do it (laughs) Huck the chair right at him with you inside. But Jake, of it. I do agree with you that like after that point, they do a very good job of like cutting off resources as filmmakers. So yeah, um, it's it's a it's a good one. I was pleasantly surprised. So yay, Mark can talk yeah. about it next. Uh, the other one, good. which was the one that I was further remiss on having seen, was uh, I had to pay up for my loss on the Oculus episode, which I missed. Okay. Uh, and penance for that was watching another Flanagan film, one that I had not seen, was the way that Mark set that one up, I believe. Uh, That's a pretty good penance. Very good. The The one that won out on that was uh, Ouija Origin of Evil. I really like this movie, too. <laughs> Flanagan makes bangers. I know, man. Does. Like, the, 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 the premise of the movie is simple, and they do kind of what you would expect, but that's actually no not really i don't know what you would expect going into that but what they do as it starts getting going um there's nothing that's going to like shock you in terms of directional approach but it doesn't bother me i it's effective and it's a creepy kid movie so i'm cool with that did you ever see did you ever see the original ouija ouija no that thing i heard to stay far away from so i don't get to see the difference that this what the the how much better this is than that it's miraculous. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've seen Ouija. I have not seen Ouija, The Origin of Evil. <laughs> Ouija, Origin of Evil is actually really good. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is good. I like it. Uh, I have nothing to talk about this week. I was all caught up last week. I don't think I'm caught up anymore, but I didn't watch anything in the last few days in terms of Lost Beers for Fears movies. Mark, you got anything? The only one I'm on the hook for right now is Frozen. I did just. I started off the new year by losing Jennifer's body, so... Uh, whatever ends up winning that one, I'll have to pay penance on eventually. But I'll have Frozen in the in the hopper next time. Solid. Well, let's cue Scatman. Scatman's world. All right. Now, for regular movies, I've got a few things to talk about this week. One of which, this is going to be a common theme, I think, over the next few weeks. I remembered another one I talked about on the Omnibus that I forgot oh, to talk about boy. last week's episode. You guys sprung me on that. I didn't know I was to talk about I didn't know I was allowed to talk about those, like, after the Omnibus. Um, so the one I'll talk about is the, uh, it's Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini, maybe the Tom Savini story, not 100% clear on the order of those words, but um, there's a documentary, it's available on Shudder, it's, as the name would imply, about Tom Savini, and uh, about his whole life, and it's fucking fascinating, and I recommend it to you, Jake, and I really enjoyed it, it's great, I didn't know how weird his, like, early adolescence was, and... You mentioned, I loved it. you mentioned on the omnibus that his brother 
died. Wait, wait, what was it? He like yeah. got stabbed His, or something, and then so, didn't want to be so, a bother, yeah. so he died in the front yard. Or yeah, didn't want to admit yeah. that he got stabbed or something. <laughs> yeah, so his brother got in a bar fight and came home and was like, "I don't, I don't feel well." And his mom was like, "Ah, you know, they were trying to get him to go to the doctor or something." But he's like, "No, I'm fine." And then he went out front and didn't want to be a bother, and then bled out in like their next door neighbor's yard because he was he had been deeply stabbed. And so Deeply. Tom Savini like came out to that whole scene and it's like, Jesus. Yeah. So it's a whole wild backstory. Jake, I think you knew about that backstory. I didn't know. I knew he'd like seen some stuff. I didn't know it like that deep. I actually didn't really know about that. I mean, I knew about his escapades in Nam. I mean, this dude's yeah. taking pictures of pretty heinous shit, but I yep. didn't know about the brother. And then there's also an awesome amount of like in his studio, you know, in his effects workshop thing, which I love. That's my favorite stuff. Um, so sure. it's it's really cool. Super highly recommended. I don't think this was this an this wasn't anything I ever needed to recommend, right? If you if you like Tom Savini and you're just in that kind of practical effects shit, you were gonna watch this. I still think you should. It lives up to what it, you think it is. It's great. I recommend it to Jake as one of the movies to watch. I think in 2020. Um, then only one way to find out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gotta go back and listen. Uh, as for actual shit I've watched since last episode, uh, one of them is the first two episodes of a miniseries. Um, the The Outsider uh, started as a as a miniseries on HBO. I think it's going to be a 10-part miniseries. I'm not 100% sure about the number of episodes. But either way, the first two episodes were released. This is based on the Stephen King book. It's like written and directed, or at least adapted and directed by Jason Bateman. And Jason Bateman also plays a character in it. I won't say the precise nature of his character because that, I guess, could get spoilery if you've read the book. Um, and is I, he outside? I am. It is outdoors sometimes. Yep, Shit. I'm comfortable spoiling oh God. that. Okay. <laughs> um, I I am loving this documentary, and I'll say this too. Uh, Not a documentary. Wife. What's that? Not oh, a documentary. <laughs> okay, I got confused. Um, <laughs> I am uh, I'm loving this miniseries. It's uh, my lovely wife is loving it with me, um, which is, I guess, kind of rare, especially for something that's like in the horror world. I'm this geeked about. Usually, she'll be like, "I'm gonna let you watch it a couple of times before you make me watch it with you." But she's fully on board as well. Um, it's it's really interesting because it simultaneously. If you've read the book, I still think it's very much worth watching. It doesn't change, at least so far, two episodes in, like major huge details, but it changes enough. And it also is much more like a crime noir thriller in these two episodes than the book was. Like the, fir the first little bit of the book moves fast and this kind of moves slow in the early parts. And it's creepy as shit. It's really, it's really well shot. I'm so excited I'm to hear it. about how it concludes. Uh, HBO has a tendency to fucking knock shit out of the park, so... Yep. Yeah. No, so I'm really excited to, especially uh, the Holly Gibney character in that book, who's also in a couple other Stephen King stories. Um, I'm as like an investigator, a private investigator. I'm, she has not yet appeared in the first two episodes and I'm really, I cannot wait to see first who they got to portray her and second, how she does like, cause that's one of the more interesting characters in the book. So really, really excited about all that, but uh would recommend. You should watch that shit. Finally, the other thing I've got is uh, when we did HRR for January, I talked about how Into the Dark, the Hulu series, hasn't produced anything, like, great. And it occurred to me, I've only seen, like, four of those, I think. Maybe five. I don't I don't remember. I haven't seen very many of them. So I think you've I seen the most to... of all of us, though. Might be true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I wanted to 
at least see some more relevant ones of that. So I started with one directed by friend of the show, Chelsea Stardust. The one uh, that I recommended you see a while ago? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. <clears throat> I wasn't going to start anywhere else. Um, and you we interviewed have. her at the Idaho Horror Film Festival. And so I watched All That We Destroy. Uh, which is on Hulu. If you have Hulu, it's available for free. It's like coming in just a few minutes under 90 minutes. And I got to tell you what, this is my favorite of the end of the dark series so far. Yeah. It's, it's good. pretty fascinating. Yeah. It starts off viscerally and well, I, I kind of loved it. So, um, you know, I, uh, I retract my statements on, on, uh, into the dark series and Hulu, not producing anything great. They take risks and they frequently do not pay off, but every once in a while they pay off. Yeah, absolutely. I There's would be a couple okay with that formula. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, exactly. If they're going to take if they're going to take 12 swings a year if like two of them are good, that's an okay batting average in my well, book. And when I was talking about it, I was okay with like as I said, none of them being great. I just liked that they kept giving people like the shot at it and doing weird shit. And this one's, you know, yeah, it's got a good great point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fuck so. it. Very pleasantly surprised. Really, really cool film. Um, I did not love the, like, virtual reality conversations with the husband or the whole neighbor character, just as a whole. Uh, uh, Yeah, the husband doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No, but he's the biggest name actor they got, I think. Uh, I don't even remember who it was. Uh, It's another burn notice uh, (laughs) character. Oh, good. Okay, got it. Two different episodes. Um, Anyway, um, it was really good, and that's all I got. Uh, Jake, what you got? Uh, I actually didn't have time to watch anything else this week, Jack. I was too man busy fill in the jack roll on old bets. Fill in the jack roll, I Mark. How about you? Get out of here. <laughs> uh, so I had two that I didn't bring up last week, and then I was able to squeeze two in between last recording and this recording. I started. This is sort of a half point. I started this H H Holmes H H Holmes original H H Holmes original evil documentary on Hulu. Okay. Have you guys seen this pop up at all? Is it in your recommends? Negative. No. But hard, my wife and I share a profile, so. Hard avoid. Oh, my God. This is the strangest intro to a documentary I've ever seen. I watched about 20 minutes and had to turn it off. It's, like, straight out of 90s BBC crime documentaries. It's cheesy in a bad way. I was really hoping I could see some, like, cool documentary thing about the Hotel of Death, and then it just wasn't that at all. Um, now, Mark, H.H. H. Holmes was a serial killer. He had like a, what, a bowler hat and a mustache. And that's mostly what I know about him. What, what's his deal? Where where and when did he kill? So he was he's the devil in the White City guy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so during Great the Chicago book. World's Fair. Um, I don't think he was technically related to the Chicago World's Fair or anything like that. Mm, but no. Um, he <laughs> had, and he's inspired, I mean, basically... I believe he was the guy who inspired that movie, The Collector, or The Collection, or whatever that was called. Those are both things. Oh. The, I'm pretty sure it's The Collector. And he had this, he basically had a hotel that was full of, like, booby traps and shit, and he lured people in there and then killed them. And he killed okay. s- uh, 70 to 200 and something people. In like, in, like, pre-color camera days, right? All the pictures, like, 1800s, late or early 1900s? It was a while ago. I don't know. Jack, I, okay. I didn't watch very much of the documentary because it was terrible. Jack, you should read Devil in the White City. Yeah, okay. It's a good book. I, it just jumps back and forth between, like, the race to create the World's Fair in Chicago and all the problems that it was having as a city and 
than H.H. H. Holmes. And then there's also like a decent, it's not a big part, but it talks about PBR. PBR oh, nice. is okay. part of this book. I always assumed that book was about mobsters and Whitey Bulger. That's a different thing in the White City, right? There's this a book is about... different. Okay. Different things. There's a different. there's a something in the White City book about gangsters and Whitey Bulger and all that shit. See, that's that the thing. Read. That's the thing that kind of bothered me about this was like H. H. Holmes's story is cool and not cool, uncool, but very interesting. And I really wanted to like dive into a multi part or at least like you know long documentary about his life and his crimes and stuff. And that this is way too cheesy and weird. Disappointing. Okay. That I'll have to find it through another avenue. Um, the <laughs> next one up was a weird film to start the movie or to start the year with, but I watched a movie called The Ugly, <clears throat> which okay. is from like 1996 or something like that, mid 90s. Yeah, I've never was, heard of this. Yeah, I hadn't either. This was a DVD that was handed to me by one of my coworkers. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, who? And it- it definitely you definitely didn't get a phone call after you watched it that said something about some number of days, maybe seven. No, I didn't. That is still okay. pending, still pending. Um, Mark, I have a question before you continue. Was this a DVD or like a Blu-ray? It was a DVD that oh was boy. the second disc of a buy one get one free Walmart double feature. Oh my god, what was the first disc? I he couldn't remember. Oh my god, <laughs> really? That you really buried the lead to a big letdown there. Yeah, well, uh, that's true. <laughs> I didn't have the answer. uh so this is i went in i you know kind of way of starting the year so far is i want to go into these movies sort of blind and not understanding anything about them um you know that's why i picked the love witch (laughs) the ugly was sitting on my table um and i didn't look up anything about it i just kind of dove in and what it ended up being is it's a serial killer movie it's a new zealand movie bunch of kiwis interesting Um, where high level, there's a psychiatrist who's trying to figure out if this guy is clinically insane who keeps murdering people, um, and the horror ensues. Actually, it was—I mean, it was pretty good. I was expecting it to be a little bit different from what it was. It's a very like set in normal reality kind of crime thriller, um, but still pretty solid. Not my not my typical movie fare that I would go into. Uh, kind of has a weird X-Files vibe to it, purely in the sense that it's a like crime investigation thing. One of the interesting pieces that they do is he does flashbacks to his childhood. And the way they shoot it is interesting in that like the fully grown serial killer guy and the psychiatrist are both just in the memory, watching it, like interacting with the memory and doing all this other stuff. I think it plays really, really well and like sets up this interesting timeline thing that they got going on. So I'm not sure if you can Marcus, find this movie anywhere, but is this a horror movie? It is, yeah. Okay, it's a it's a serial killer horror movie. Okay, to to kind of clarify, in the same vein as like, I would I would put it in the same genre as um like the Bone Collector or Silence of the Lambs, maybe. Okay, gotcha. same kind of vibe. The Silence of the Lambs is more horror than the Bone Collector by leaps and bounds. Um, I don't know. I remember Bone Collector being kind of creepy. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's in the same vein as Silence of the Lambs. I'll say that. Fair enough. You got anything and else did, you want to talk about, or should we move to did, the feature presentation? Wait, 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 Mark, did you what? say that you don't know if you could find this anywhere? Is that what I heard you say? Yes. Yeah, someone, I mean, someone handed him a DVD of it. 
But it's, but I'm assuming that after you watched it, you checked to see if it is available for streaming. No. Why? Because mm, that'd be something that the listener might be interested in. Uh, well, that's I, why he said he didn't know. Do you think he <laughs> did know and was lying about it? No, I, I just wanted just to see like purposely. He... <laughs> I just wanted to see. As he's purposely being withholding. <laughs> Part of it is that it's such a small movie, it's kind of hard to Google. <clears throat> If you Google The Ugly and watch or The Ugly and stream, it comes up with where to stream the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, okay. Fuck it, it doesn't exist. As nearly as I can tell, if I pull up the page for the movie on Google, there are no links to stream anywhere. So you might just need to, like, rent it or Is it use other means. 2013, Mark? Does that sound right? No, it's 1994 or 6 or something like that. Oh, that's right. You said that. There's a there's Seven. a 2013 movie called Ugly that's for free on Netflix and Amazon. Yeah, it's really hard to find. So that's 1997's The Ugly, uh, directed by Scott Reynolds. If you want to Google it, you know what? If you can find it, good luck. I actually did enjoy it, so recommend. I guess if you're in the mood for some type of crime thriller. Cool. I okay, I think that added value. <laughs> now we have to go to the feature presentation. Okay. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 1931's Dracula. Now, Jake, you picked this movie. Yeah, I sure did, I know you'd seen this before. Accurate. Yeah, you and I have talked about this before. Mark, I honestly don't know if you've seen this before or not. Nope. I've seen very, like, almost none of the ultra classics the super old ones that are prior to 1950 and i've never seen this movie as an adult i've seen it a few times as a kid like i'd say pre-14 but i've never seen this movie as an adult so jake what made you pick uh bella lugosi's dracula uh precisely that jack we hadn't really talked i don't think we've talked about a single movie that has bella lugosi in it i might be wrong i think yeah, no, inexplicably, we made it 166 episodes without talking Pella Lugosi. So that's why? He's like <laughs> horror Mount Rushmore material. I think he did appear on one of our Mounts Rushmore when we did that little exercise for the Patreon members. But uh, yeah, it was high time. Yeah, for sure. And it's because of this movie, right? This is his first like, big horror movie that he did. This is what this is what I mean. When you think Bella, you are probably thinking of Dracula. He was buried in the fucking cape, like or it's what he's one synonymous of the, with. Yeah, or one of the Universal movies that came after it after this because of this performance. When I think reception. Bella, I think Twilight. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> okay, well that's a ch- personal choice for you, Mark. You know, if you pray hard enough, you can change that. <laughs> okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> Not totally comfortable with that joke I just made, but let's move past. That's fine. It. I found it funny. <laughs> okay, Jake. Yeah, dude. You picked I, this I'm movie. Here. Yep. You're gonna have to give us a 30 second plot synopsis. 30 seconds around the goddamn clock. It's gonna start when you start. Can I just say it's Dracula? No. You can sing the song Dracula, but you have to th- sing it for 30 seconds. Straight. 30 straight seconds. Okay, so Renfield goes to Transylvania to do a business deal with a mysterious count in a creepy old castle. He meets Dra- with Dracula despite having the warnings of the mountain folk, and it goes about how you'd expect. Next thing you know, they're on a boat. He's mad as shit, and Dracula's feeding on all the crew. They get back to England. Dracula rents a place called Carfax Abbey, and then Renfield's crazy as a fox. He gets taken to a loony bin. Dracula feeds on some supple young women, including Mina, who is John Harker's fiance. She gets turned into a vampire, but Harker and Helsing are able to track down Dracula and kill him by driving a stake into his heart, and it freaks time. time. Oh. 
Okay. Couple things there. I accuse you of rehearsing. Nope. Uh, and also doing a bad job of rehearsing. <laughs> I didn't rehearse, and I did everything I could within 30 seconds. Okay. Mostly couple, tried couple... not to breathe so I wouldn't cough directly into the microphone. Couple questions there. Appreciate that. But couple questions there. You said mountain <laughs> folk, which I appreciated. Are are they actually just like mountain folk? Is that what's happening? Is, is, is that your euphemism for hillbillies? What well, do you mean by mountain he's folk? He's in the I Carpathian like Mountains in Transylvania. So there's Is that a folk. thing? Can I be mountain folk? How do you get to be mountain folk? I don't know. Live in the mountains for long enough. I'll tell uh, Jack, you'll know it when you see it, bud. Okay. All right. Yeah, I feel like this is a weird point. There are. It's easy. You just live in the mountains for a while. If you know what, with my wife and I almost bought a house like north of Idaho City instead of in Boise, and I was going to do a long commute every day. Would I be mountain folk if that had happened? Yes. You'd be okay. certainly closer to it than you are now. Now you're what damn they it. call a flatlander. You're a city boy. Ah, god damn it! I Don't know. tell my grandpa. That's fine. You don't he know the calls size me of a city hazelnut. boy enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, second question, Jake. Yeah. You called. Uh, him mad as a fox? Yeah, I tried to make a joke because of Carfax. Uh, oh, I so I see. I'm Carfax Abbey. Here. He was trying there, to freestyle rap, is what happened, and there, there, it's a it's like because because the company Carfax that like yeah. does background reports. I on liked automobiles. it. I like that joke. I, I actually like it now. So it's just really hard wanna, to put together. If you want to accuse me of rehearsing that part, I did think about prior to doing the plot synopsis because I was like, I'm going to have to give one of these and the place is called Carfax Abbey and then Randfield goes crazy so he's crazy like a fox. I mean, if nothing else, that evidence is that you rehearsed the whole thing. Guaranteed. Yeah, that right there was about oh. 10 seconds of your 30 second plot synopsis. So. Well, there you go. I re- okay, so I rehearsed a third of it. Okay, well, you've answered both my questions very adequately here. So Great, thank you. Um, That's frequently yeah. how he answers questions is highly <laughs> adequately. <laughs> That's a very nice thing you just said. Shall we continue? Yeah, we could talk about what in the fuck subgenre of horror fits into, except vampire for vampires, because I'm taking that one. No, I'm, I'm earlier, Mark. On my end of Skype, I said it first. So. Classic. classic. Done. When classic. I edit the... Uh, classic. Classic. Yeah. It's a classic. Is it a classic? It's a classic. Yep. And nothing else. It's a classic vampire movie. I mean, technically, yeah. even in 1931, this was still a period piece, but that's probably covered what? by classic. Yeah, was fuck it? off. Isn't this set in, like, the 18... 18- What's the fucking difference between those two eras, Mark? <laughs> 60 like, years? I mean, there's a yeah, substantial okay. amount of tell difference. Me, tell me what would be present in 1858. That's probably not when it was set, but in the late 1800s versus 1930. Gas lamps. Cars. Automobiles. The Industrial Were there any of those in this movie? Flappers, Were there any cars? Women's rights. Were any of those things in this movie? No. No. Especially women's rights. No, exactly. That's It was a period piece. It had things, it deliberately did not include things of the era. Yeah, Jack, you're actually kind of proving his point. Damn it, you know what I am, and I'm now realizing it. I hate it, because it's a dumb point. It was historic in a historical movie. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Sometimes you just got to admit I'm right and move on. Fuck. Okay, fine. Fucking. He's doing it. He's doing it. What does the movie do right? I gotta. I. I want to argue with you, but. I... <laughs> but you already. Oh you already argued on my side. Yeah, twice now to this episode. It's. You've hypnotized me. 
The, all Ooh. the lights behind you turned down, and someone's showing a flashlight on your upper forehead, and now I'm hypnotized. <laughs> That's the key. The flashlight <laughs> on the upper forehead is the key, which actually brings me to my first point, which is that the camera absolutely fucking loves Bella in this movie. They do so many of these, like, I mean, it has a lot of its own signature shots or whatever, but everything that you've seen, particularly the initial introduction to Dracula as his brides are waking up and he's, like, standing in the cellar, that is, I want to say, in the, like... I've seen it somewhere in one of those intro to they play it during like the Emmys or whatever. Like this is why we love film shots where it's just like the cavalcade of all of the most interesting shots of all time or whatever. I, you always see that shot of Bella Lugosi. That's like this slow zoom in. And then throughout the rest of the movie, like you, like you just said, you have these like weird lighting effects on his face and they just linger on that shot as a signature move. Like, I don't know, four or five times. Yeah. And the signature move is that plus he doesn't blink once ever during the film ever yep mark and i appreciate what you're saying and i know what shot you're talking about i think it was your point was undercut a little by the fact that you said cattlecade but cavalcade uh, with a v v i I understand that's the word i understand that's the correct word is it not what is jack jack's really harping on nitpicks that are irrelevant tonight mark said cattlecade cavalcade well We'll see. If I slowed it down and played it here, then Mark got it wrong. And if I didn't do anything and cut all this out, then Mark did it right. Nobody will ever know. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Can't wait. Can't wait to see. Mark, I don't know if you listen to the podcast. I always come off sounding super smart and precise all the time. And you splice in like fart noises and stuff under the things I say. (laughs) Fart noises and racial slurs. Bella Lugosi looks really good in this movie. That was my point. Yeah, and not only does he look good, this is Bela Lugosi's movie. This is fu- he's what the- he is everything that's great about this movie. He's is so the way he plays this character is so fucking weird, and he's so slow and deliberate with the dialogue, and just the- Jake. Both of us use the line to intro yourself and Mark for me is uh, I don't drink wine. It is all of his lines are like that, just so deliberate, and he moves so slowly and so consistently like it's never he never like takes a step he's always just kind of floating or when he's moving towards someone's neck it's just a consistent very slow movement towards their neck it's insane yeah i mean my understanding go ahead jake i was just gonna say he he gives it's really like the first good glimpse you get at what a personality for the character of dracula looks like because like if you think back like you have the pure monster that is nosferatu which uh, we can talk about it if we want. I pr- I prefer that film to this one personally. Yeah, I do too. Okay, but yes. but if you want a character that is more reminiscent of like what people think about when they think of Dracula, like this is the origin of that. Max Max Shrek was not a particularly emotive person. No, I'm it's hard to, to be understand. in a silent film. I mean, he was a vampire, so you know you're seeing <laughs> the real shouldn't thing. Shouldn't even appeared on camera. Yeah. There was no silver in the camera. More on that later. Ooh. <laughs> what were you um, starting to say? No, what I was going to say was that fuck. You totally yeah, I don't know. It's out of my it's out of my brain now. It's gone. Gone forever. Sorry. Sorry like to step all over your dreams like that, Mark. Yeah, I'm sorry. Another thing I fucking love about this movie is the I don't know how much of it is actual on location sets. How much of it is like or how much of his on-location scenes, how much of it is creating a set, and how much of it is 
making a realistic looking like painted background. I know it's some combination of those three. Yeah. But this movie feels beautiful and all three are great. There's tremendous stone staircases, there's sweeping mountain vistas, there's it's fantastic. They combine have... them in a way that's kind of it's quaint, but it's gorgeous and it fe- it holds up in a certain sense of that word like well, you look at it and it looks good you know what you're looking at sort of but there's a little bit of mystique to what they created there and i think that it continues and will always continue to look good in that very specific way you've yeah, reminded me of what my point was going to be which is that i'm given to understand and by that i mean i read this as like the third bullet point under the trivia section of this movie that bella lugosi came from broadway the reason like he got this role playing Dracula on Broadway in a theatrical production and then lobbied to be the film actor as well. And that's, A, why he's so emotive and good at sort of carrying himself and delivering lines in a very consistent way and floating around the stage. But that also sort of parlays a little bit into what we're saying now, which is that this does kind of feel like a theatrical production. Like, it's literally... Normally, when we talk about set design, we talk about, like, what they're shooting. But they're also on legit like theater sets for some of the parts of this movie, like the um, theater box where he initially meets Harker or the very first scene where they're coming over the the hill and the stagecoach and like the background is painted mountains and stuff. Like that's Mm -hmm. the type of thing you would see in a Broadway production of Dracula. But it's also how films were made back then too, right? Oh yeah. yeah, Other movies from this kind of similar era we've talked about, I think, only include The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and Nosferatu, but both of those had way less believable, like, painted background scenes. Uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari was on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. uh... (laughs) I don't think you can... I would also say that there is a distinct... You have to distinguish... Those are two eras. Like, those are silent films, and this is post that. This is in a weird era of film, right? When it after they had the ability to have speech, but before there was the MPAA or any kind of they call content it the pre. I, God damn it! Yeah, what is it, Mark? Yeah, the contact co- the content code. Yeah, but there's there's a specific name for it, like someone's name. But there's and and there was this era where you could have it, and it's like. Yeah, okay. You think you you hear that. You hear that's one of the main things about this movie, right? It came out in the the pre-content restricted era. And it's like this is this is one of your more tame movies ever. Do you remember that um cartoon that we saw about the the balloon people? Oh, it was definitely pre whatever restriction. Yep. That's really going to bug me. I'm going to have to look this up. You guys are going to need to talk amongst yourselves for a little while. But yeah. It was Mark Mark it was part of it was used in a short film at the Idaho Horror Film Festival. Yeah, it was. And then we went back and we watched it like four or five times that night. It's so <laughs> fucking it's creepy scary. as hell. Yeah. It's about an evil pincushion that attacks balloon people. Um, I, I think we need to get into this now. Um, where there's so many versions of this movie. It's one of these old ones. Like, how did you guys watch this? How long was the movie you watched? Did it have the Kronos Quartet score? What? Let's talk. About I was all of this. okay. Yeah, I, I I am not going to be able to intelligently speak about how many different variations of this movie there are. This is definitively in the the public space or whatever it's called. You should public be able domain. to watch, public domain. Thank you. Uh, you should be able to find this one for free. And the only place I could was on Vimeo. So I watched the Vimeo version, and I did so not this, pay five dollars to rent it on Amazon or whatever the fuck. This isn't in the public domain. This movie is not in the public domain. Oh well, then what the hell did I watch? There, there are versions of this that you purport still to be in the it. public domain and aren't. 
Um, but Mark, Jake, did you watch the Vimeo version? No, I rented it on Amazon. I checked the one. I checked Vimeo after, and you still watched it, Mark. It was scored differently. It has like the more modernized scoring. That's a lot more bombastic. Oh, than the original. Uh, the original <laughs> is very quiet. It has it's Swan Lake is used, and that's like what I think about when I think of this movie. It's great, uh, but the, the 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 whole of the movie is pretty much silent after that. It's, right, it's very and quiet. They use four or five different uh like orchestral pieces that were in the public domain when the movie came out to score the movie because they didn't have like the biggest budget in the world and they used it all on their special effects. So they used public domain. They used classic music, public domain stuff in 1931 when it first came out. Then Mark, the person who had the rights to it, got the Kronos Quartet in the nineties to rescore the whole thing. And you watched, I watched the version you did because I'd never seen that one before. The like 85 minute one. Um, where or seventy five minute even hour fifteen yeah yeah it was um, it was it was much shorter that's the other reason it, I opted for it yeah uh, but that has the full Chronos Quartet start to finish scoring and that's a really interesting thing Jake have you ever seen that Chronos Quartet scoring one well like I said I, I I pulled up the one that was on Vimeo so if that's what that one was scored by then I guess I saw fragments of it because I just wanted to see what the differences would be uh, yeah and that's really all that I noticed like that the one that you rent on Amazon is uh an hour 15 so i oh that's interesting okay there's a couple I mean, of different versions out here but like there is a relatively succinct version that is what a lot of people are seeing if they're watching it now right and and that one should be the mostly silent one the the chronos quartet one was remastered in the 90s and they had the chronos quartet do the entire score from start to finish and jake it's kind of so you know that score that kind of bombastic score is pervasive. There's almost no yeah. silence in the version that Mark and I watched. This so they time went around. too far. Uh, there's, there's a I would not say really that. Quiet One, and a version that's really not quiet. <clears throat> One it thing I had movie. in my does right with a fucking bullet was the score. I didn't huh. realize there were like multiple different options, but it gets a little bit overpowering at certain points. And then there are actual times where like, I remember specifically, I think the one that kind of caught my ear was when Renfield is changing coaches between the the normal mountain folk and the evil coach that's going to take him to the castle. There's like this weird violin or viola solo that's just kind of happening. It's like this weird atonal thing. Uh, And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty fucking cool for something that came out in 1931. So maybe if it was rescored, then I guess that's one thing. But I really enjoyed the score throughout the whole piece yeah yes mark mark do you know what i'm talking about when i say the chronos quartet are you aware of them and their whole thing no i have no clue what you're saying and you've said it now i don't know 75 times i know so many because i thought it was i I thought so they are a band from seattle i think they started in the 70s they've done they're they're a very very famous classical quartet of really cool string instrumentalists they've done covers of they're kind of they're kind of like weird al where they just people just give them permission to cover their shit they've done like metallica covers they've done all sorts of awesome covers they are like the preeminent classical musicians of our era and in the 90s they wrote their own music for this they they scored the entire thing themselves so they're an apocalyptica knockoff i got it cool <laughs> God damn it, Mark. <laughs> I like that being your takeaway. That's good. <laughs> they're they're a very big thing. They they if this this was it's not even a rescoring, it's a scoring. 
right? There is maybe 10 total minutes of public <laughs> domain not, classic. There's not much to rescore. Yeah. Right. I was like, there's it's 10 Swan total Lake, minutes of like, music. Yeah. yeah. In, in, the fir- in the original version. And yeah. Mark, in the version we watched, there's no silence at all. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah, so there's no rest. It's not really a rescoring. Um, and I agree okay, with you. Well, I liked, I liked cool. the score in the version I that I I loved it. Oh, they did a great job. Yeah. See, and it's funny because, like, I also, I have, in what the movie does right, having watched the, I guess, more, we'll call it the original version, at least the originally scored version, uh, I just put Swan Lake down there because I love that piece. And it to me, you cannot unlink these two things now. Like, whenever I hear it, it doesn't have to be related to Dracula, but it is in my mind. Like, I can't <laughs> hear it without thinking that, like, oh, that's a great... I, I just start getting, you know, visions of, of castles and mountains and Dracula and bats and spider webs and like all that stuff, even though that's that was never what that beautiful piece of music was intended to be. Too bad. Now it is <laughs> too bad. It's mine now. Took it. There are definitely creepy and traditional horror elements to the original Swan Lake as it was composed. But what else do we have in Firmly Does Right for the movie? Uh, I want to know how they shot the, the, this is pretty minor, but I really want to know how they made the shots of the people on the Vesta because that's the name of the ship, right? I think that they were on. Yes. So they have these like overhead shots of the Vesta. I'm sure it was just on like a studio lot somewhere, but they like legit (laughs) are pelting them with hundreds of gallons of water like these waves are crashing over the top of the ship and i kind of just want to see the pool that they shot this thing in in the 1930s because i guarantee it wasn't safe <laughs> mark they just took him out to sea buddy lost some I, good men that day but then where did they put the camera you know they affixed it to the mast they put it on a mast. drone it was a drone shot uh maybe a drone shot yep for sure yeah, a drone, drone shot. shot from 1930s yeah uh, I thought it was I I don't know we don't really have that type of shit anymore and I thought it looked good and uh, reminded me of simpler times you know on that note actually the other one that I wanted to highlight was I feel like for the time and I mean like even still if you were to pull this off it'd be pretty cool the shots through the jewelry box mirror that when they first see Dracula not have a reflection yeah that's a really well constructed shot even like even by modern cinema standards that is a really well constructed shot the way they frame it the way they show it outside of like they don't just zoom in on the mirror they do that as well but yeah. then they also kind of show how the box is positioned and how each person is seeing it and reacting to it that was good that's like legitimately very good yeah 100 percent. yeah uh before we move on i just want to make a quick note um because there's nowhere else to put it, frankly. But while they were filming this, there was a Spanish production. So there's all there's a movie filmed at the exact same time. Same movie, same sets, everything. Spanish Dracula came out at the same time. All of that, right? And they basically just like filmed it at night when the crew for the main movie was off. And That's I awesome. haven't seen that movie. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but I watched a video where it was like side by like it just kind of did a split screen with like the shots. That version, I would say the cinematography is better. Wow. And it it's way more it's way more active. So like for example, the the staircase shot where you have Dracula coming Bella coming down the stairs. For the Spanish version, it's like this huge sweeping shot that like gr- comes up the stairs and like greets him. It's 
there's a lot going on in that version. I'll try to find it and, and send it to you guys, or Jack, you can link it. It's it's interesting to look at, if nothing else. Uh, so it's just, I totally agree with you, Mark. I think there's a lot of examples in this movie of, of really great shots, but it's funny that there was a movie made at the exact same time that arguably did it better. It is also called Dracula, except it has an accent over the A. Ah, that's the, yep, great. Makes it easy. First thing that <laughs> pops up is, Quotes, Spanish Dracula, the superior 1931 vampire classic. Wow. So also with the permission, it. I assume, is licensed and stuff? No. <laughs> no, they just, they cut the lock and they snuck on. Well, look, Mark, <laughs> a movie came out like a few years earlier that was totally not allowed to be Dracula. Oh, Nosferatu with their weird yeah. legal thing? Yeah, okay. Look, it was the Wild West back then, I think. A German judge said, okay, you win the lawsuit. Your remedy is you get to destroy every copy of the movie you can get your goddamn hands on. Sounds like fun. (laughs) Yeah, we should go back to that. Unfortunately, it does not appear that you can find the Spanish version anywhere to stream. Hmm. That sucks. And to well, be clear, I'll try to find that video though. The only aspect of the 1930s Germany I think we should go back to is that one particular judgment. The rest of it, no. Wow, we're over here talking about Spanish Dracula. You're just you're taking it into a weird history place. Okay, well, well, while we're getting into the movie, what the movie does middle, what there are <laughs> good transition, good transition. There are things about out there about Dracula. Brom stroke, Brom's boom strokers. Did you just get hammered in the last 10 seconds? What is going Uh, on? I've been, Mark, I've been pretty hammered for a while now, but there are things about, (laughs) I was, what I was trying to remember is what we called the episode with the Keanu Reeves movie and we called it boom strokers. Boom stroker. Yeah. Boom strokers to Cacula. Um, there are theories that the original book is a little bit anti-Semitic, um, and then in this movie, Bela Lugosi as Dracula is wearing a Star of David as a pendant for the first third of this movie for reasons I can't figure out. I did not Other than anti-Semitic reasons. It's so prominent. It's like Flavor Flav's fucking alarm clock. It's so big. Is it just anti-Semitic because they made the villain a Jew, essentially? A Jew with a vague Eastern European accent who kills people and seduces women and you shouldn't be around him. I don't know, man. Joke's on them. The only thing people care about in this movie is Dracula, so. That doesn't make it not anti-Semitic. <laughs> oh, my God. I am Let's choosing not take to it not to weigh in on this place, how about? <laughs> how about we don't take okay, it to cool. such a serious place? That sounds fine. <laughs> That's, that sounds wonderful to me. People like Bela Lugosi as Dracula. Great. And he does a great job. I just wonder why he's wearing the fucking Star of David a lot of the time. Oh, my God. I don't know. He's going off the book. It was probably a prop that he had from his Broadway production. Okay. You just kept it on him, you know? Fair Don't ask enough. questions. Just wear the costume they give you. Here's really what I had it did middle. The I love artistically the scenes where it's like a window filmed from far away with bats kind of like clearly on strings being danced around <laughs> outside the window. I love it so much. They're my favorite parts of this movie, but they also are don't look good. Like it's so clearly a bat puppet on a string that I had to do, put it in does yeah. metal because objectively it's a body it's that bad. has two wings attached that's just being yanked. Yep. <laughs> I had yeah. a middle for almost exactly the same reason. Like my favorite part of this movie is actually probably Dwight Fry as Renfield, him being just fucking batshit insane. 
Dude, now, can we? That acting is whoa, buddy, but it is entertaining, and I cannot take my eyes off him. Can we zoom in a little bit on the scene where he's crawling along the floor, about to attack the the maid? Sure, because <laughs> that is that is the height of his performance in this movie, and it is captivating and also hilarious. Nope, yes. there's a better scene, but I do want to talk about that one too. So go. It's captivating and hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> It's just it's the way what he does with his eyes is, I think, the most interesting part of his performance, specifically in that only that 10 seconds. But he manages to open his eyes farther than a human being should be allowed to open their eyes. Yeah, he at times his performance is scary, though, like specifically when. Dracula goes out the window and they're trying to find him and it's just like him in the background doing the like slow kind of cackle ah, 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 is really scary <laughs> but the scene for me yeah that takes the cake is when they cut to him in the asylum and they zoom in through the window Martin no Martin please my spider Martin it's it's so I couldn't I cracked the fuck it's up so it's so good Martin, no! <laughs> it's I so mean, good. Yeah, for the record, I feel like he did a really good job. I enjoyed his performance through and through. But uh, what a it's performance just a little that bit is. Over. Yeah, it's, it's just what a performance. That's it's why a little it's extra. That's why it's in the middle, boys. And I have nothing else that does metal. I have one other yep. thing, which right. is that I always find it charming and hilarious, but also bad in a certain way. With these like super old movies, the amount of exposition they feel like they have to do in order to get the audience on board with what's happening where there's like Renfield explaining to Dracula's coffin, the condition of Dracula's consciousness where he's literally like, you can't hear me right now, but you know, (laughs) if it were night, you could because you only exist at night or the time where they cut two newspaper, two different newspaper clippings for like 15 seconds. It kind of goes both ways in this movie because it just jumps the fuck in with like, he's in Transylvania and here's Dracula and you don't know what's happening, but that also way too much exposition sometimes including yeah just literal newspaper headlines which i do think this was gonna come up the neat picks but i do think newspapers should go back to calling people raving maniacs (laughs) (laughs) we're getting that way i feel like buzzfeed's probably about to do that (laughs) the news talked about how people are raving maniacs all the time guys yeah jake everything is fake news these days true except that would be real news because most people are raving lunatics (laughs) <laughs> mm. see raving lunatics and and everything describes it as raving lunatics but the paper says raving maniac oh maniac whatever whatever words we were just saying w- but but the wikipedia page says it calls him a raving lunatic and i say raving lunatic just like in everyday conversation i assumed because of that no <laughs> objection paper- your honor he's a raving lunatic <laughs> yes that's what i meant sustained <laughs> all right let's move into what the movie does wrong mark talk to me about what this movie does wrong Okay, I don't particularly care for the way the story tells the, the the way the story is told through Renfield's POV, and maybe that's just because like I'm used to seeing it through Harker's point of view. Because I feel like Nosferatu, and not that I care about this movie at all, but Boom Stroker's Dracula are both more focused tightly on Harker, and then watching this one, which is the exact same movie we've already seen twice, but told through the Renfield point of view, is I don't know. It just it was it was just a little weird for me. That was honestly the only thing I had written down. 
So that is an interesting point. I, it's it's just kind of it's how the story is, right? Whereas, but a, but a book can shift perspectives like that a whole lot, where a movie can't. Yeah, and I think I think the main thing is that the the mystery of Renfield's madness that they spend. I mean, this is a seventy-five minute long movie, and they spend eight minutes on it, maybe. But like the whole bit of of Van Helsing trying to diagnose the madness, like. Just didn't age well. We know the legend now. You don't need to spend an exponential amount of time. This is sort of talking about what I already mentioned with the too much exposition in the does middle part. But you don't need to spend that amount of time explaining to us how and why Renfield is mad. We know he's mad. He's been enslaved by a vampire lord. I do agree with you, though. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch now. But, I mean, people probably hadn't seen... Like, they, they were just coming out in 1931. Who had seen any of the... like? Nope. Who had seen Nosferatu? Was the only one you could have seen. <laughs> Who had seen 1992's Dracula? <laughs> you know, no one. No one had seen it yet, and most people probably wouldn't see it due to the timeline difference between the two movies. <laughs> Oof. I think it's yeah. all kind of a good point, though, because while you don't want to sit Thanks, here Jake. and talk about something being quote what the movie does wrong just because of its age or because there's been like x amount of renditions that we now know just because dracula is such a pervasive part of what we know in our culture uh it's kind of hard to go back and watch this movie given everything that's come out since then not just dracula either i'm I'm talking about like a 75 minute movie can feel a hell of a lot longer when you're watching you're talking about a 1931 film like it just feels a different way and for the modern audience, that's a bit more difficult to sit with. Well, for sure. And also, compelling, compelling storytelling existed in the 30s, and you didn't need to make a movie that shifted, like, that didn't have a real arc for the person the camera follows the most, who also isn't the protagonist of the movie. I don't like, think Mark's that point. I don't think there was much compelling storytelling happening on the screen, though. That took a while to develop. Maybe. Yeah. They were still they were still very much in the vein of like we need to yell the point of the movie at you at the top of our lungs. <laughs> um, I'm I thought this was straddling the line between nitpicks and does wrong for me, but the fact that Dracula's hypnotism is evidenced only don't do it, Mark. I see you hold the whistle up to your mouth. No, it's evidenced only by there being a light. That's around his eyes once and on his forehead for the rest of the movie is really <laughs> stupid. Like I understand you didn't just have a flashlight like we have now to light it up, but yeah, they like, had to redirect the light from a kerosene lamp or some bullshit. But you did it right for one shot, and then you did it wrong for the next of the shots. For the so record, like they, I think they did a pretty good job with that. I liked all of those shots, and maybe the light moves around a little bit, but I don't give a shit. It's still it's a cool not, shot. It's not on his eyes for some of it. Well, he probably complained because he was going blind. <laughs> well, <laughs> you got to suffer for your craft, man. You know what I mean? He didn't. You know, he did it once and he did it right the first yeah. time. <sighs> man, Bela Lugosi does kind of strike me like the Tom Hanks, like an anti-method actor. He's like, no, why would I method act? I'm just going to act, act. That's what I, that's my job. <laughs> yeah, I'm just good at it. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> exactly. I did not have anything else in what the movie does wrong, Jake. Did Blow you the have whistle. Anything? You, you know what? I even thought about almost elevating this to what the movie does wrong. Mark, that was a very impressive whistle blow. Thank you. 
but there's the scene where the the woman who is hypnotized then screams Mina? right she's i don't remember any of the Mina. characters names Mina. Her name's well it depends okay. on which because there's two different women who get hypnotized but mina is the main one but she's fully hypnotized and then later in it she screams after he's like after she's being seduced like if you're hypnotized you shouldn't be screaming and the scream is obviously ADR but that's not what I'm penalizing the movie for but if you're yeah. you're screaming and then like if you're hypnotized you shouldn't be screaming well that's there the whole is point like of the hypnosis. Some, there's a little bit of leeway which they also expose a little bit later with the Van Helsing thing where if you're strong of mind you can break free so you know as things are happening to you if you object more than you normally would, then potentially you have a little bit of extra leverage to break free of his control. So you're saying it's a neat pick. It's actually a feminist movie. Yes, exactly. Highly worked. Three in a row. Feminist movies. A to Z horror. Boom. Got it. Everyone everyone constantly talks about the 1931 Bela Lugosa classic that is a feminist movie, Dracula. <laughs> more like Dracula her. Am I right? <laughs> Well, hold on. <laughs> Do you mean Dracul her? What? Yeah, Dracul her. I d- <laughs> good. Dracul her. It's Dracul her. That's what they wanted to name this, and then you know the folks in Hollywood they wouldn't allow it. <laughs> I like it. On that point, while Bela Lugosi's performance is like almost sublime throughout the whole movie, the scene where he's telling the woman that it's fine and her neck is fine and he just needs to look at her neck and he takes off her scarf, but it's so slowly, is the rapiest thing I might have ever seen in my whole life. It's like 18 straight seconds of him very slowly, very deliberately taking off an unwilling woman's scarf, and it made me so uncomfortable. Is this the guy in the... Are you talking about the guy in the surgical room or later? Because there's the first there's there's also the the surgeon who's inspecting her neck. Maybe when, that's what I'm that's talking after, about. That's after Lucy died, though. Whichever one takes 18 seconds of him being like, "I just need to look at your neck," and she's like, "No, please don't." Uh well, you know what? Weird shit. Weird Fast shit. times to Ridgemont High. <laughs> Somebody else talk. I have a question. I have a yes. question, okay. guys. Jake, why are there armadillos in this castle? <laughs> Why? I, I understood those to be an exclusively American animal. <laughs> well, the Americas, yeah. Is it they in the same vein are not as why in they... the Carpathian Mountains? No. Is that in the same vein as why they included freaking uh the the weird like wildebeest thing? Not wildebeest. Whatever what? animals they did. They have that shot in Nosferatu of like a random dog wolf thing. They were just like, uh Oh yeah, werewolves. Like weird, but it was den. basically just like this random dog that they found in Africa, I think. And, and they were like, like, "We're a... gonna film this and include it because it looks kind of foreign and strange and different." It looks like a hyena. Yeah, well, I was... have no idea, dude. I think the reason is because of like there's the thing about how armadillos are grave robbers or whatever, and it was around the time they were showing a bunch of graves. I don't fucking know. I don't care. But like, I... it's very weird. I didn't know that about armadillos. You learn something new every day. Grave robbers. They rob graves because they didn't dig. know the armadillos to be grave robbers. Classic grave robbers. I can't believe there wasn't a cartoon about one. <laughs> uh, here's a neat pick. I like when the lab assistant, he's talking about uh, how he's uh, a madman. But instead of saying madman, which everyone else in the movie has Mad been, he, he says madman. 
I like the way he says Madman. That's a neat pick from me. Oh, a neat pick. Okay, good. I feel like uh, this movie sort of crosses the wires a little bit on what's a werewolf versus what's a vampire. I was highly confused for a lot of this. First off, is Wolfsbane traditionally used to protect from vampires? It has been, and vampires also are the origin of all lycanthropy. They're, like, all merged together, right? Vampires traditionally, like, the earliest mentions of vampires could be wolves, could be bears, could be bats. Really? Yeah. I guess I didn't know that, but isn't, like, Lon Chaney's The Wolfman is... Does it precede this movie? I don't think so. Isn't that, like, the original Lon Chaney was 1925, and then... Lon Chaney Jr. was later than that, but... Well, maybe. Maybe it does. I don't know. But either way, know. like, Dracula's quick could... internet research. Dracula's. It, uh, vampires could turn into wolves well before any movies could have come out. Huh. Okay. Maybe I've just... Maybe my wires are crossed. But also, like, everywhere in the world, Drac- Dracula's... God, I keep fucking just saying Dracula's. Vampires could be almost anything, right? Like, there's... I, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but my favorite thing about the vampires is that they're all um, obsessive-compulsive. So a way to protect yourself from them was to spill a bunch of rice on your windowsill, because then they couldn't come in, because they have to count all the grains of rice before they could come in through yeah. your window and kill you. That's like a really old thing. That's like yeah. a really old folkloric demon thing. Yeah, vampires have been everything, man. Well, whatever. they've been everywhere, man. Mishmashed. Eh? People need to explain <laughs> things that they can't understand. So, whatever. Vampires, werewolves, invisible men, swamp creatures. Who gives a shit, right? Lon Chaney Jr.'s <laughs> The Wolfman came out in 1941, so 10 years later. Lon Still, Chaney okay. Jr. Yeah. What about Lon Chaney? I don't think there was a Lon Chaney Wolfman. Yeah, I don't think so either. I went with Mark on it, but I'm, I'm drunk. I like, how, I like how malleable Jack's opinion is. He just leans in. Yeah, man. I just go with whatever I heard last and go with it confidently. <laughs> that reminds me of no one. <laughs> Yikes. I'm uncomfortable uh, with I've always had here. a question about this. Is the this is as good a time as any to bring it up. Is the mirror reflection thing related to the silver allergy thing? Totally. I don't think so. I mean, maybe traditionally. But there's also a thing of, like, they can't be captured on film because that would be the same as being in a reflection. But also, A, most cameras use mirrors. And B, I believe silver is part of the film uh, development process. Yeah, so probably. So is this all it is? Is this just a silver thing? They're just allergic to silver? Because somehow silver doesn't see them? Like, silver is, like, so past them? Like, they dated silver in high school? And then, then silver broke silver up and bullet, went on to better and better things. Then why would a silver bullet be able to kill them? Because they're allergic to silver. We already covered this. No, but it can't. It can't see them. Can't touch them. Just passes right through them. Let me ask you this, Jack. If you were shot by a bullet made out of one of your ex-girlfriends, would it kill you? Yeah, almost certainly. Exactly. <laughs> fair point. I you think vampires dated silver open. in high school. It's a fair point. Hey, while he's got him hypnotized, and the guys like. Change it. He's telling them everything about Dracula, but then he like sees the hypnotism and immediately changes his story to "I've never met anyone named Dracula." That's a bad <laughs> hip. You did a Dracula. You did a bad job hypnotizing that guy. That's a bad lie to get him to tell. Yeah, I mean they're not really going for believability. I mean, but Dracula should be. But he's. I don't know. 
He's too suave, full, man. If you could hypnotize that guy, just have him be like, yeah, you're right. I'm fucking crazy. That's it. Don't say I've never met Dracula before. They know he's met Dracula. I think they've seen him in the same room as Dracula. I think that narrative might be a bit too complex for 1930s film-going audiences. Well, then Dracula was a dummy. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a nitpick. Whatever. Nitpick. Is, okay. I, I, yeah. Did either of you guys think that Ed Van Sloan, the guy who plays uh, Van Helsing, looks like Christopher Waltz, Christoph Waltz's, I don't know, great uncle, grandpa, something like that? No, but I could kind of see. So you're saying, like, he looks vaguely like he could be related to Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I couldn't get past it. There's a familial resemblance there that more people need to talk about, frankly. <laughs> yeah, more it needs to do. be part of the general fucking zeitgeist. These see, raving Mark, I, maniacs I'm, out here. I'm yeah. on the train of having just heard you talk about it for the first time. Now too many people have talked about it already. Uh, yeah. That tracks. Yeah, that seems right. You talked <laughs> about it twice. I have no other nitpicks. I am also out of nitpicks. I'm good. <laughs> okay. so and <laughs> Good. Usually we just interrupt each other until we force ourselves to go to ratings. This time we're just going out on a whimper. That's we're, nice. It's clean. It's a it. clean cut, Mark. Let it be clean. Just let it breathe. <laughs> yeah. No one's saying this isn't clean and pure. We over at Easy Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think about Ron Reagan. We rate how afraid of burning in hell he is. Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. And for 10, think about Case Dross. We rate how much of a disaster his school appearance was. Actually, I've only been in one school so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll be honest, it didn't go so hot. Uh, in fact, <laughs> it was literally a major disaster. Oh, no. Stars, first guy who rate these movies. Jake, your pick, your story rating. Uh, giving it a six. I'm really trying not to penalize this too much for being like the 70th version of Dracula that we've talked about or seen or actually Third. reviewed in full on this podcast. Yeah, but we've all seen a lot of Dracula stuff. I mean, fuck, Three. one came out this month on Netflix. Like, there's a lot of Dracula stuff out there. The story keeps getting remade because it resonates with people, but it's pretty simple. I'm giving it a six. Mark? I actually also gave it a six, and I was kind of expecting to have to defend myself more than I guess I'm going to. This is the third time we've seen any version of this movie, and I I actually kind of like this one the best. I talked a little bit earlier about why I don't I don't like that they focus on Renfield, so that's a bit of a problem. But I like the character that Bela Lugosi develops and that they shoot throughout the movie. Like it actually functions pretty well as far as a narrative goes. Uh, he his interaction with Van Helsing is interesting. And I mean, we've seen the what happens with um, the you know Dracula's brides and what's the what's the lead lady's name Mina, Mina. No idea. Mina. What what happens with Mina throughout? That doesn't really change much between the different versions. But I think weirdly, we don't typically include an actor's interpretation of a character in story. But here I am because I think he does it so well. Interesting. I give it a five, Mark. I agree with everything you've said i think they they took a a story that i don't think was particularly well suited to be adapted to film right the original boom strokers to the book nailed it and did a pretty poor job of adapting it in like a cohesive following one protagonist from a start middle and an end kind of way 
but then I also really do like some of the stuff they did uh, along the way, which is which is really interesting. I don't have a lot to add. Jake, what is your world building and immersion score? Uh, it's always a little tough with older movies. Uh, ultimately, I just kind of landed on a three and a half here. Interestingly, I gave Nosferatu a really high score for this category, I think. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but that one breaks the mold a little bit because it's such a special time capsule. While this one is by far, I would say, the the, the Dracula movie that people know and respect, the one that people might know the best is the Keanu version, but I think people respect this one the most. <laughs> the, key, um, the definitive, the Keanu version. I don't think anyone is. I don't think anyone holds it near and dear to their heart because they think it's just so immersive. So three and a half is my I score. Have, I have breaking news, Jake. You yes, gave Nosferatu a four. Oh, okay. So no. <laughs> I thought Mark, I gave it a way higher score. Building an immersion score. I struggle with this one too, and I think I'm overcorrecting for the history bias here but i gave it a five still a little bit below average but i mean like i was more immersed in this than i was expecting to be and maybe that's the that's the benefit of going and having relatively low expectations but sure i enjoyed watching quite a bit of this movie and the performances were enthralling not yeah, just it doesn't Bella Lugosi, hurt that it's but not too long either yeah also 75 minutes good length for a movie <laughs> Yeah, yep. any longer, I would have been a little bit rough. Mark, I gave the exact same score. I think you guys discount world building more than you should in this category. They build a world here through a combination and... of sets and painted backgrounds and just on-site filming. That's the world the best. feels the the world feels like a stage play, though. Like that's the world that I feel like I'm witnessing is 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 a stage. Yeah, less the world so has a painted movies, background. Less so than these movies usually feel to me. This did the best job of it. So That's it's fair. getting points for building that world in a unique and, and good way. And it's it's not super immersive. I also think the Kronos Quartet score helps a lot because you have a consistent building, sweeping musical thing telling you how to feel throughout the whole thing. And there's nowhere where it's just silent for 11 straight minutes. Yeah, uh, I put that under is, effects my memory of it so we should have a sting at the top of this episode telling the listeners to drink every time you say chronos quartet uh no they'd be dead they'd be and the word book and the word book <laughs> i don't think i said book that much you said the word book at least 20 times that cannot be true mark yeah, i will give close. you a hundred dollars if that's true have you guys watched super bad yet no okay no. <laughs> oh come on man just checking expect. what do you expect Take us into Scare Factor. Jake, what's your Scare Factor score? This is where I know I differed from Nosferatu. I know it this time. I gave this a four. Um, it's creepy in that kind of gothic sort of like, I don't know, bump bump in the night, traditional, you'd throw it on in Halloween, spooky sort of way. But this isn't a movie that you're going to lose sleep over. Uh, it's about Dracula. You know what you're getting at this point, even if you're trying to go in as blind as possible. It's a creepy concept. I mean, he's essentially a, a member of the undead that sucks people's blood for sustenance, and you, it's hard to kill him. Like, that's that, creepy, but it's only just so creepy. That still seems high to me. Mark? You gave Nosferatu an 8. Would you care I to correct that? Would story? you no, correct Nosferatu? No, right? Nosferatu, I'll stand by that shit. Nosferatu has a weird thing about it that just makes me profoundly uncomfortable, and I love it. Okay. That movie is a creepy fucking thing. Like that is the the creepiest in the most like creepy way. I I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. It's creepy. 
All right, Mark, what's okay. your Scare Factor score for not Nosferatu, but for 1931's Dracula? I gave it a one. Uh, for one, this is an old movie, and history's kind of not kind to Scare Factor. But beyond that, vampires generically and Dracula specifically, not scary. Not really scary at all. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I got to tell you, I gave this a one also. Okay. What I find so endearing about Bela Lugosi's performance in this is that he's charming. Exactly. And weird and slow. So I'm not scared by any of it because he's when he's he's either being very charming, which I'm not scared by, or he's moving towards a woman at, I mean, an eighth of a mile an hour. Glacial. Glacial pace. Of, it's a glacial pace. And that's what makes his performance kind of great and iconic, but none of that's scary. So I can't give it. Hmm. It's the just other, <laughs> the other part of it. His one superpower of mind control. It took him what all of a day to find a person who can resist it, who's strong-willed <laughs> enough to to just be like, nah, that doesn't work. <laughs> I guess the part, the part that uh, I don't know. I see what you guys are Good saying talk. about the Bell Lugosi thing and uh, and how it's hard to give it a higher rating because of that. But I think that the parts that stick with me are that this does a really good job of that atmospheric sort of creepiness. I suppose you could put that into what this you were where... saying, Jack, with world building. But for me, it's a little more in the scare factor side because it's just it, it effectively creates a creepy atmosphere, but it's a generic setting sort of this atmosphere. is this is where if we were a video podcast we would just cut immediately to just a picture of the bat flapping in a window <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's almost like it's almost like the sets are kind of creepy and then the second anything happens i'm not scared like i'm relieved. like it cuts to the armadillos and you're like what? yeah <laughs> like oh yeah. like yeah. scary armadillos. this is kind of a scary castle and then bella lugosi shows up and says something or it cuts to a bat flapping around or an armadillo I'm like oh, okay no you we're know all what? safe that's, that's that's fair i'd like to revise my score i'm gonna give it a three <laughs> okay okay which is gonna take us it's gonna take us an overall jake your overall score on dracula no it's not it's gonna take us to effects oh shit forgot that uh, I, I i gave the effects Good is work. kind of a hard one because you're taking yourself back to like what was standard in 1930 i don't fucking know i know that it looked pretty good but i also know that th- it's pretty hard to say that this movie was like going for broke when it came to the effects department i landed on a seven which was about as high as i could go from the perspective of a movie that's a little more on the side of judicious lack thereof but there were some intricate sets used here and i think that it deserves props for those so i gave it a seven fair enough mark i am not far off from that i gave it a six and a half part of this score was me thinking that this was the original score to the movie um which oh, i guess if it's yeah. not but still the chronos quartet this band that i just heard about that is just a knockoff <laughs> apocalyptica he Hold on, Mark, what, what's it. that band name i've never heard of them oh it's the chronos quartet yeah they're <laughs> like modern day classical say it just doesn't count uh this the that was what tied the whole thing together for me but yeah to just expound upon jake's point interesting sets the the animals the well specifically the bats are pretty cheesy but also, a lot, they, they do a lot of these practical effects in world of, for example, filming Dracula through the jewel, the whatever, the jewelry box mirror, where they shoot the scene and then they do the exact same scene, but then he's not there and then they just splice that in through creative editing. I mean, it's not really that crazy editing. They just spliced in the other scene. But I mean, still, that that is pretty cool effects, especially considering that this movie is 80 
nine years 89 old. Eighty nine years old. Yep. Jesus. Yep. Yeah, I, no, that's I'm, nuts. I'm, Super into it. We really circled the wagons here because it gave it a six as well. I have nothing to add here. Now we're going to overall. Jake. Yeah, for overall, I settled in on a six for this one. Um, it's a good movie. It's a classic, uh, but it's not doing anything from an overall film standpoint that I think even trying to take myself back to that period of time that was completely groundbreaking. Like, you already had Nosferatu. You already had it. It gave you a character that is timeless, and for that, it is a classic. But from a sheer movie standpoint, this is not the highest-rated movie I could think of. So I, I don't know. So Bela Lugosi's interpretation is a little derivative of the Count from Sesame Street. So <laughs> Yeah, oh, you're oh, right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Mark, what's your overall score? I gave it a five, uh, and I don't wholly disagree with Jake going above average. I went the other side of the line, just on the slightly less likely to recommend. This is a piece of film history. And like I said at the top, you'll, I I was charmed to see shots that I had seen in the like history of film reels that I didn't quite know where they were from. Um, But it's still just, these are hard movies to to recommend to people in modern times. And if I'm going to recommend them a Dracula movie, it's going to be Nosferatu. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's going to be a six for me as well. It, and for me, the entirety of this rating is how magnetic Lugosi is in this movie. He's charming when he has to be charming. He's so slow and weird. It's such a unique thing that I, I got to give that a lot of props. I really enjoy that and his whole performance. So six for me overall. That's going to take us into thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm pretty curious about this. Jake, is this a movie a thumbs up or a thumbs down for you? Oh, uh, it's a big thumbs up. I, I think that you should see it. If you are a horror fan and you haven't seen the m- movie that gave us the modern, I don't know, sensibility of what Dracula is, then you're missing something and you should probably fill that gap. Possible. Mark. Thumbs up. Basically the same reason. I, it, you know what you're getting into. It's a 1931 movie. If you're yeah. okay with that, then you're going to enjoy it. This is interesting because I gave this one a thumbs down. Love it. Recommends before for kind of mark what you talked about. If somebody wants to watch an old school movie about vampires, watch fucking Nosferatu. It's creepier and better and just overall good. If you want, you'll see. You can watch a ten minute YouTube clip of Bela Lugosi in this movie and get the entirety of his performance. And I think you'd be you'd be in the yeah. exact same place. Both so. can I think both can be recommendable though. Uh, oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. The but other thing that's kind of funny be... is if you're talking, like, old-school, like, cavalcade of, of monsters, whatever, the, the classic Universal Pictures monsters, this is also not the highest of those either, because I'd rather Correct. have you watch the creature from the Black Lagoon. I, I actually like Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman better than this, too, so. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it's also third in that pile, fourth We're in just going to have to watch every single one of them inside. Look, we're going to get the there. I've never actually seen the Wolfman. Maybe we should add that. I should add that to my list. But for now, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. Okay, this has been episode 167 of the A to Z Horrorcast. Check out everything we have going on. Head on over to A to Z Horror.com or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Those are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those links are right down there in the description below. 
as Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, if you're still here hanging out with us and you like what we have going on, you might want to consider becoming a Patreon member. We have a lot of cool stuff going on over there. there that link's going to be there right down there in the description below as well. But uh, if that's not what you're interested in, can't swing the dough right now, hey, that's cool too. We're just happy you're still here hanging out with us and we're going to keep making the same great content for you. That music you're hearing right now, that's coming at you from Super Fair as usual. There are links down there in the description below as well. And next week, we are moving on to a much more modern movie. It's made within the last, what, 10 years, not 90, so that's a different case. <laughs> it's going to be Black Swan, and it is quite a bit different. It's going to be coming at you one week from today. Until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some more movies. Have a great week. No, what I was going to say was that... Fuck.